We're all quite capable of straying away from the Lord if we're not careful. Here's Pastor Ed on what this looks like. You see, Satan wants to isolate you from everybody else that believes in God. You get down, then he wants you to say, I'm just going to stay home and look at my iPhone for the next eight hours. I'm not going to church. I'm not having anything to do with God. He always tells me I'm sinning. And it's a simple solution. You say, yeah, I am a sinner. Forgive me. Duh. Don't argue with God. He's always right. Better to just own it. Take control of it. Zion, now filled with hands And in this place gotta dwell with man Sick be healed and the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love and harmony I said let this world know me by your love what a joy it is to study the scriptures with you each day here on Grow in Grace. We sure look forward to it and we hope you do as well. You know, in Christ we are truly blessed beyond measure. And it's nice to know we don't have to wander aimlessly through life, but we have the Good Shepherd to guide us and take care of us. That's a truth to cling to in troubling times like these. Well today, the plan is to cover a good portion of John chapter 10. You might immediately recognize this as the place where Jesus refers to himself as the Good Shepherd. Here's Pastor Ed Ray. Jesus said to him again, most truly, truly, listen up, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, if you were with us the last couple of weeks, you'll know that Jesus says, I am something seven times in the Gospel of John. He first said, I am the bread of life. But what was unique about the way he said it was he used the Hebrew unspeakable name of God that Moses heard in Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush. Remember the story? Moses taking care of sheep. He's 80 years old. And God causes a bush to burst into flame. And Moses is surprised because it doesn't appear to be consumed. It's just bright. And God speaks to him. Jesus speaks to him from the bush and says, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to set my people free. And Moses listens to what God wants him to do. And he says, well, who will I tell Pharaoh? Send me. And Jesus said, tell Pharaoh, I am that I am or Yahweh at Yahweh in the Hebrew language. What Jesus was saying is, I always have been, I am now, presently, and I always will be. Now, admittedly, that's very difficult for us to understand because we only live in a sequence of time. What'd you do yesterday? We index everything according to past, present, or future. But God has always been, what? Before creation began, before anything, Jesus was already there. God was already there. He is right now living in the present. He can enter the fourth dimension time. I'm not going to go off on physics. Just take my word for it for now. And in the future, he will always be there. He has no beginning. He has no end. He has always existed. 
who made God nobody. <laughs> he was there before anybody. And that's what he's saying. I am, I always have been, I always will be, I always will be anything you ever need in the future, the door. Later he will say, I'm the only way. I am the door. And it sounds very narrow to our pluralistic, you know, we've been modified by the press and the newsmen and, and even teachers in school and psychologists and, and our leaders to believe that, you know, God should be more generous than that. It doesn't matter what religion you are as long as you're sincere. It doesn't work. You can be sincerely wrong. You can be very sincere about your math quiz, but the professor won't say, well, you know, you got them all wrong, but you were sincere. <laughs> you committed yourself. No, no, no. And, and God gets to make the rules. There's one Savior. Hello? There's only one Savior, and his name is not Buddhist or any other Krishna or anybody else you want to add in there, Frank or George. His name is not Jim Jones. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. It's on TV all the time, and it says Christian TV, and it lies. You know why there's no jokes about Jim Jones? The line is too long for the Kool-Aid. It's not funny. Remember all those people that went down and followed that guy? And then they took communion? This is serious stuff that Jesus is talking about. You can follow the wrong Savior and not be saved and not find out until you drank the Kool-Aid at the end. Verse 8, all who ever come before, whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. In the first century, the Jewish historian, actually Roman Jewish historian, named Josephus, said that the, there were more than 10,000 men who claimed to be the Messiah. And they're still claiming it today that they are the Messiah. Jesus says they're all robbers. Jesus says they're thieves, they're robbers. And the sheep didn't respond. Sadly, some did. I am, he says it again, verse 9, the door. I always have been, I am now, I always will be. If anyone enters by me, get this, he will be saved. You come to Jesus, surrender to him, and you will spend eternity with him. And you'll go in and out and find pasture right now in this life. That's what he's saying. You remember the 20, we all have heard the 23rd Psalm at funerals or various ways. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pasture. Just what this is saying. He leads me beside the still waters and he restores my restores my soul. When I'm wiped out, when I'm tired, and the world just seems to be grabbing every part of my, you know, being pulled in every direction, God will restore your soul. The thief, the false shepherd, does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come. Here's Jesus' reason to coming to planet Earth. 
I have come that they may have life now here in this world and that it may be more abundantly eternal life. That's what he's talking about. Both ways. You surrender your life to Jesus now and your life will start to take meaning maybe for the first time if you've never done it before and all the way into time without end that whole what eternity thing it happens often around here some college kid will come usually college or slightly older maybe early 30s and say to me as the young lady did after service said i need to find myself and i chuckled a little i laughed a little she said what's funny he said, listen, I, I grew up in the 70s and the 60s, and everybody went on a walkabout. They, they went on a, a travel to find themselves. And I never had anybody come back and said, hey, you know, I found myself just north of Bakersfield. <laughs> you can't find yourself because self doesn't exist until your birth again scriptural terms, born again. And that's the starting point of who you really are and what God wants you to be. Now, that's not a very popular thing to say. But I have more education than I need from the secular world, and I speak with some authority. I, I said this a few weeks ago on the radio, and I get this nasty email from a psychologist, a young guy. And he says... You don't know what you're talking about. It's not true. What did I say? I said that atheists are in trouble, that they're at risk. He said, no, no, atheists have a great advantage. They don't get caught up in all the moral things of the world. And I said, and so I wrote back to him, a very polite email, and I said, well, l let me tell you what your field, psychologists, say. And I quoted him this very large study published by the, and I'm saying it out loud to you, not that you're taking notes, but some of you do, I know you do, and you're actually looking up on Google right now to see if I'm telling you the truth. That's okay, check me out. It was done by the National Institute for Healthcare Research in Rockville, Maryland. It reviewed and summarized 80 different studies and concluded, quote, people with no religious affiliation at all, atheists and agnostics, show an elevated risk for depressive symptoms, depressive disorders compared with people who are affiliated. You're more likely to be depressed if you don't have any hope for eternity, is what this is saying. Now, by the way, that is not a Christian organization. Even more pointedly, a recent study in the American Journal of Psychiatry, which is definitely not a Christian journal, had a study that, quote, came to this conclusion. Religious affiliation is associated with significant lower levels of suicide. Not a Christian organization. It's not saying Christians. He's saying any kind of religious affiliation. You go to church is what they're saying. If you answered the question that you go to church even once a year, they said religious affiliation has significantly lower levels of suicide, not just depression, as the other studies said, compared to religiously affiliated people, atheists and agnostic. Self, who you should be, 
who you were designed to be inside your mother's womb, according to Psalm 139. Self is not something waiting to be found. You're not an apple with a core of self. You're an onion. <laughs> when you peel off one level, you know, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Self is something that's waiting to be created by God in you when you surrender to him, ask him to forgive your sins, and the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you and begins to change you to be the real self you're supposed to be. You can't go looking for it, or if you are, you're in the right place this morning because we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. This is Grow in Grace with our pastor and teacher, Ed Ray. We left off at verse 11 in John chapter 10. Verse 11, Jesus again, new statement, I am the good shepherd. I'm the noble shepherd, same word. I'm the honorable shepherd who lays down, who gives his life for you, for me, the sheep. He's telling them in advance he's going to die so that they wouldn't have to die themselves and go to hell. Punishment for their sins. You see, all of us have failed. We're, we're all sinners. Every one of us. And if you haven't done it this week, you will next. Now, I'm not saying it's okay to sin. I'm saying that's just the reality of it. Sins happen here, they happen here. Sometimes they happen externally. Things you should do that you didn't. Things that you should not have done that you did. But Jesus died on a cross for you. And that's what he's talking about. That I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give my life to the sheep. Verse 12. But a hireling, the professional pastor, rabbi, whatever, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. I think there's an important word here for you and for me. Scatters. You see, Satan wants to isolate you from everybody else that believes in God. You get down, then he wants you to say, I'm just going to stay home and look at my iPhone for the next eight hours. I'm not going to church. I'm not having anything to do with God. He always tells me I'm sinning. And it's a simple solution. You say, yeah, I am a sinner. Forgive me. Duh. Don't argue with God. He's always right. Better to just own it. Take control of it. I trust in the Lord Jesus, Paul said in Philippians 2.19. To send you a real sheep herder. Timothy was the guy's name. That I may encourage you when I know you're saying, I want to hear how you're doing. For I have no one like-minded. He will sincerely care for you. He's a shepherd that cares about the sheep because he's the under-shepherd to Jesus. He cares about your soul. Whose voice are you following? That's really the whole thing that's going on here. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us. Verse 13, the hireling flees because he's a hireling. He doesn't care about the sheep. He's making, you know, if you're at Del Taco, you're making 18 bucks an hour. But all he's in it for is the money. 14, I am, again, the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. I know everything about them, and am known by, and they know me. Now, that's a frightening statement if I didn't know that Jesus loves me. Anyway. He knows everything about me. Uh-oh. 
No, no, he still loves you, even though he knows all your little quirky idiosyncrasies. He still loves you. 15, even as the Father knows me, Father God, your Father in heaven, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life, there he says it again, I'm going to die for you so you don't have to die, so you can spend eternity with me in heaven. That's where this whole thing is going. 16, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. I got some old hippie friends. They think he's talking about Jesus going to Mars. <laughs> he's not. Okay, he's talking to a whole group of Jews, and he says, I got another flock. They're Gentiles. They're non-Jews. They're not of this fold, and them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. That's you and I, most of us in here. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Anybody, any place, any country, any language, any skin color, it doesn't matter. God says, I'm calling the whole world. The cross, the sacrifice on the cross is big enough for every person, every sinner, anytime, any place, anywhere. All you have to do is surrender to him. And then he does the work inside. He changes you. And you find yourself doing the thing you're supposed to do. And when you don't, you just go back and confess, Lord, forgive me. 17. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Jesus is going to rise from the dead, he predicts. 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on myself. Nobody killed Jesus. He allowed himself to die for my sin, for your sin. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it back up again. He rose from the dead. This command I have received from my Father. I'm obeying. I'm doing what God the Father wants me to do. Jesus raised himself from the dead. Romans 11 says that the same Spirit that raised, the Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead, and the Father raised Jesus from the dead, Romans chapter 6. How can that be? Father God raised Jesus, Jesus raised Jesus, and the Holy Spirit raised Jesus. Three in one. It's the Trinity. God. Three persons in one God. You say, I, I don't understand. I don't either completely. But I believe it. I accept it because that's what Scripture says. 19. Therefore, there was a division among the Jews because of these things. They're, they're splitting in two. Verse 20. Many of them said, why, he has a demon and is mad. Why should I listen to him? He's crazy. He says he's going to raise himself from the dead. 21. Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. And there's a guy standing there, a beggar. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And they pointed to that guy. Could a demon have done this miracle that he did for this man who was born blind? No, that's his credentials. Okay, so at the beginning I said, this is a picture of what Jesus is saying to you and to me personally. I'm your shepherd. You having trouble figuring out what you're supposed to do today, tomorrow, next week, next month? Come to me. Come to the shepherd. Well, I, I don't know if I can hear your voice. You need an answer. God will give you an answer that you will understand. This is commitment to you. Well, maybe he's mad at me. He's not mad at you. Luke chapter 15 and 11. The, the, the first one, 11, is about a lost sheep, a single sheep. Shepherd has a hundred sheep. One of them wanders off. That's me. That's you. Eat a little grass here. Hey, that grass looks better. Eat a little over there. Next thing you know, 
you're out of the pasture and you look around, there's no sheep left. Where's my shepherd? The shepherd leaves the 99, it says, to go and find the one who is lost. God chased me down. I was an atheist when I was 26 years old. I was a, a working biochemist. I was a scientist. And I didn't believe in God. I had no reason to believe in him. But he made himself real to me. You're an atheist? Good. I'm glad you're here. Because now you're responsible for all the stuff I've been telling you. You've heard it. I hope you're out on the radio. Won't do any good to turn it off now. It's too late. I understand, though. But he chased me down because he loved me, and he'll chase you down when you're blowing it. 99, he left so he could go find the one and come back. Now, later on in the same book, Luke chapter 15, he tells the story of a prodigal son. You know the story. Quick version. So this young man is working for his dad, and he's decided he needs to go find himself, okay? And he goes to his dad and says, Dad, I want my inheritance. All that you're going to give me when you die, give it to me now. Oh, thanks, son. Your love is so, so warm and tender. But he gives them all the money. And the kid doesn't just go to Bakersfield. He keeps on going to Las Vegas. And he goes to the blackjack table. See, you didn't read this, did you, in Luke? <laughs> and he bets on two queens. I don't know anything about cards, I swear. And he loses it all. And he's broke, busted in Las Vegas on a Sunday night, no place to go. He goes to a pig farm. What? He's a Jew, a Jewish boy, who is not supposed to be around a pig at all. Hates pigs. Last thing you'd be is a pig farmer. But he's desperate. The only job in the Las Vegas Times is that there's a pig farmer that needs somebody to feed in the evenings. So he's feeding these pigs corn husks. And he says, as he's feeding them for the 17th night in a row, I could be back at home with my dad. And he would take care of me. He fed me. I always had a meal every night, a square meal. I think I found myself. No, I haven't found myself. I found that I don't have a self. I'm going back home. This is in the father, while the kid is walking home, while he was far, way off, the father saw him and ran to him. The kid's wondering, I wonder if my dad will forgive me. The old man runs to him, falls on his neck, it says in the Hebrew language. In the Greek, he wept tears of joy on his back. He's over the kid, weeping, and took him back. That's God, and you're the kid. You're the one sheep that ran away. The 99 are left behind while he goes and gets you and me. I don't know who you are, but you do. I don't know why you're here. Maybe you're here for the first time. And again, we're glad you're here. But it's not a coincidence if you're here this morning for the first time that you happen to pick this Sunday. God set you up. And that's a wonderful thing. An encouraging note to end with on today's Grow in Grace. Jesus not only is able to lead and guide us through life, but save us too. Pastor Ed Ray has been in John chapter 10 on today's broadcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you'd like the CD, which contains the complete and uninterrupted message, 
Call us today at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. You can also listen to the program online at thepackinghouse.org. And again, we're at thepackinghouse.org. We're thankful to the Lord for this opportunity to share His Word over the radio, and maybe this is a ministry you'd like to support. This would be a wonderful time to hear from you, and we'll say thanks by sending you The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. This is a classic devotional that has moved the hearts of believers for well over a century. Each chapter focuses on one attitude of God, from God's infinitude to his immutability, grace and goodness. I think you'll find it to be both theologically rich and approachable. Again, we'll send you the knowledge of the holy when you give a gift of any amount to grow in grace. Just call us right now at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And then join us back here next time as we return to our study of the Gospel of John. This has been Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray, a presentation of the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love.